Peterson, really excited that you're joining us this week on what should be obviously a very lively episode, as they all are. And joining me as always is Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? What's up, Chris? What's up, people around the internet? What's up? We're ready to ingest and spew out entertainment. What's going on with you, Chris? What's up? Not much. Just just the two of us again this week. Yeah, just the two of us. <laughs> it's like, man, we, we go from a crowd to then back to the two of us, and then, you know, who knows what's going to happen next. But Yeah, that'll um, just be one of us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It'll just be an online TED Talk. That's all we're doing. <laughs> Love it. Uh, uh, folks, if this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, welcome to the party. And what we'd like to do here is bring some interesting stories that have happened in the past week or so uh, in the world of entertainment, whether it be music, movies, books, cooking, I mean, TV, whatever entertains you, we like to talk about on this podcast. But I have no idea what Ben is bringing to the table, and he has no idea what I'm bringing to the table. So this way, all the reactions and discussions are spontaneous. It's live, unedited, uh, the whole nine yards. So um, should be a lot of fun. Can't wait. So Ben, kick us off, man, with that said. All right. That being said, I got three words for you. I cannot wait to hear your take on this. Uh, we haven't talked since this big event. I just got three words, and I want to hear your reaction. What is your? What, I just want to hear it all. We're going to get into a big discussion because, like we said, we, we don't have a lot of stories tonight, but they're big ones. We're going we're to be talking. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to know your thoughts on a, on a little guy. His name is Bong Joon-ho. What are your <laughs> thoughts on this man? Here's the thing. I... I was watching the Oscars live. Yep. Yep. Um, you probably did too. Yep. First time in a couple of years I've done that, by the way, uh, because I just I was I really felt invested this year. I felt like of all the best picture nominees, I was okay if like four of them won, and I was like, we'll we'll see how this goes. I didn't I didn't feel like there was that that true front runner, so to speak. I thought that there was like four movies that could easily take home this thing, and so as Parasite started to win, and Bong Joon Ho started to win for screenwriting and then directing, I was freaking out. I was losing my mind because, uh, first of all, Ben, have you seen Parasite yet? Yes, I am. It's a a fantastic freaking movie. It is, in my opinion, a textbook film in terms of pacing, story, filmmaking, editing, everything. It's it's a textbook. Now, is is it, in my mind... The most entertaining movie of the year? No, for me that was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's okay, a movie. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's a movie I could watch twenty times in a row. Yeah. Have was you it... rewatched? Have you rewatched Once Upon a Time yet? Oh, uh, we'll we'll <laughs> talk about that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. I mean, I've watched literally. I think I've watched it twenty times. It's it's gone into that rewatchables bank in my head. Yeah. Um, is it? Do I find it? This is going to sound weird. So that that I thought was the most entertaining. Parasites, the I thought was the most textbook movie of the year. I thought the most beautifully shot movie of the year wasn't even nominated. And that was Midsummer. Um, so it, it was a weird year, but uh, I was digging everything. Bong Joon Ho. Um, I mean, this is a filmmaker that a lot of people are like, "Oh man, he came out of nowhere." I'm like, "No, the dude's had actually a pretty awesome career so far." If you if you follow it, and he did this great movie on Netflix called Ocha. 
Yep. Uh, he did another movie called Snowpiercer, which is really good. Um, so he's he's done some good stuff. But man, I mean, I, I'll put it this way: I loved if you if you're someone who has dreamed of winning Oscars someday, or you know, young up and coming filmmaker, you were literally watching this guy's dreams come true. Every time, I mean, like he would, you know, as other guys were speaking on the stage, he would be looking at his Oscar and you could just see on his face like, holy shit, I can't believe I just won an Oscar. It was all over his face. And I thought his speeches were perfect. Um, I loved how his best directing speech, he literally gave the entire speech to his other nominees and just talked about all the other nominees that he admired and then says, you know, I'm going to be drinking all night. <laughs> so um, I'll be drink. I will be drinking till the next day. I think that's the quote. <laughs> Yeah. And and he did. They they literally went to a Korean food restaurant, like a dive Korean food restaurant in LA, and 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 ate and drank until like five a.m. So, um, awesome, awesome. Dan, what did you think about uh, Parasite and Bong Joon Ho and all that stuff? Okay, all right. So, I, I agree with a bunch of the stuff that you said. Uh, you know, we're on the same page because you know we and we did watch this live. Me and Bobby, we we took a break in the middle. Uh, to watch The Outsider. <laughs> and then we tuned back in to the end of the award show and we caught, like, you know, the big the big nomination. And then I went back and watched, I guess Eminem was there or something? Yeah. <laughs> something <laughs> so I was like, I'm glad I went to The Outsider for that. But then, uh, well, oh, all right, this is a side note. But so the woman that's on The Outsider that also played Harriet Tubman. Ugh, Cynthia Rebo. This is your favorite girl, right? My, my gal. Uh, yeah. I didn't realize it's the same woman on The Outsider. Mm. And then she sang at the Oscars. I'm like, this woman's everywhere. Yeah. yeah sadly. Uh, <laughs> I just can't, can't escape her. Uh, anyway. So I tune in and, you know, I'm pushing for, um, you know, best visual effects. I'm definitely pulling for Endgame. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this this movie that made two billion dollars still rated up in the 90s on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like, all right. You know, I know it's a comic book movie, but my God, everyone loves this movie. It made two bill. Throw it a break. And then 1917 wins best visual effects Oscar, which doesn't make any sense. That should go to like a CGI heavy uh, thing. You know, cinematography, 1917 all day. But right. I, I don't know. It, it was it was very weird. Um and, you know, it was really hard to escape the controversy that came before the Oscars, even before they aired, the lack of di- diversity and stuff. Um, I don't know, Chris, call me a conspiracy theorist, uh, but is there any kind of thought in your head that that blowback of all the nominations, they kind of gave this award to kind of show that they're culturally diverse? Is that a crazy conspiracy theory? I don't think you're crazy. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I I walk this weird line of saying, look, I want more diversity. I want more people of color nominated for awards, but at the same time, I don't want them nominated just because they're a person of color. Like I don't, I don't need, right. you know, you know, a lot of performances are, are award worthy throughout the year. And I don't want it to be like where we have to start meeting quotas. Like we have to have a black person. We have to have an Asian person, Latin person, you know, it, it should, whoever really truly had the best performances with the vote totals should win. Having said that, I do think more people of color need more opportunities in, in Hollywood for these roles to in order to be eligible to be nominated for these roles. If that makes sense. So no, correct. Oh, yeah. a, a totally a thousand percent. And I think, you know, it, 
the state of film, I think the state of film is going through a transformation in itself, of course, with <laughs> streaming and the lack of movies that actually make it to the theaters besides superhero movies mm -hmm. and, you know, and, um, you know, Dominic Toretto movies. Uh, <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> and then you get a couple, a handful. When you go to the indie cinemas, you get to go see the lighthouse in midsummer and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, other than that, um, you know, thank God for the MCU being culturally diverse and taking risks. So then we have actors of ethnicity and other ethnic backgrounds out there. So then we can put them in movies. So I, I actually equate a lot of, the diversity out there to Marvel, you know yeah, what I mean? You have Casting to. people in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you don't have to. I mean, a lot of the roles that they have cast with like African-Americans are traditionally white in the comic books and they just go ahead and make a choice to make their movies a little more diverse. And now we have these great actors that are huge and they're in pictures. So I, I agree, Chris, like, you know, Lynette said, you know, very eloquently like a while ago, you know, uh, we were talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and that movie is definitely predominantly white, if not all white, but it's a masterpiece. Mm. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's it's a freaking masterpiece. And if you were just to go like, yeah, you know, Brad Pitt said he'd do it, but I don't know. We need to really fill our uh, our ethnic slot. <laughs> so right. let's uh, get this guy that's just like off-Broadway actor or something. <laughs> <laughs> that would be like a travesty. So it's a, it's a really weird predicament that films are in right now, I think, just in general. Um, but it's not helping the way that they're nominating at all. Mm -hmm. It really yeah. isn't. I mean, what's also interesting, too, is that I, I, I just found this out um, like a couple days ago that Marvel, the MCU films, are like I, – I think I heard that they're 0 for 16 when it comes to visual effects nominations. So ever since the first Iron Man movie, they've been nominated 16 times for best visual effects, and they haven't, they haven't won a single one of them. So that's I don't so know what, silly. That's I don't so know what silly. that says. I honestly don't know what that says. I don't know either. Like <laughs> like think of the character of Thanos and how imposing it. That's all CGI. That character is all CGI, and he is highly memorable. And I watch. You know, I love those YouTube guys. The VFX artists react. Um, series. I love those guys, uh, the Corridor Crew, mm -hmm. and they had a guy from Weta in there talking about the last shot of Endgame when all the good guys come out from all the portals, and they, the guy was like, yeah, that's all green screen work. So, <laughs> that being said, you had to green screen 200 actors on 200 different sound stages and then light them and then put them all into one like shot for 10 seconds. You know how much work that is? It's just, even with th today's technology, to make it look good is insane. Insane. I I don't know. It's so. Let's get into Parasite. Okay. Let's, let's um, do. Let's do. Let's talk about the film Parasite. Um, a fine film, a good movie. I don't know if it's my best picture. Mm. I I don't even know if it's. I don't even know if it's close to that. Wow. Don't get me wrong. I can I can recommend it to people. I it's it's a great movie. Never watching it ever again. <laughs> Just putting it out there. <laughs> it's not like a really fun movie to watch. No. No, it's not. Um, there was there was parts where I was laughing. Uh, you know, the the acting's great, the writing's great, but I was trying to. You know, Bobby and I had a really big discussion the other night, and just I was trying to put my finger on it. Like, it, I've seen movies like this that I think that have done it a little better. Mm, interesting. Okay. Um, where there is a you know, there's pieces of movies in this. And of course, all creative things are pieces of inspirations from other works and stuff like that. But 
I feel like this movie could have maybe maybe they were going for something a little more subtle, but I think he could have turned the suspense on a little more. I think I think you you have a point there. Um, it what was weird for me watching this movie was I I found it a lot funnier than I think most people did. Like yeah, I, was, I was laughing. We were laughing. Yeah. Like when and, and not to spoil it when when the husband and wife are fooling around on the couch and she's like going through this scenario where like he buys her drugs. It's like, Oh, buy me drugs. Like, <laughs> yeah. Counterclockwise. Buy me drugs. Cause their lives are so non, you know, you know, con- controversial in a way that they have to create this like <laughs> fantasy of uh, that. I thought was hilarious. The the tone of the film, there were just, a, there were little things that made me laugh that I, I, I found myself laughing out loud a lot more. And then like the last 10 minutes of the movie, it's like, Holy crap. I mean, they just, you know, turned it up to 11 there. And um, yeah, I, I, I think it, it's a it's definitely a polarizing film. I don't think it's a universally it's going to be one of those universally adored best pictures like yet yeah, like that that was the best picture there no no doubt about it. Um, right. I know there like are sounds of the lambs or something like that. Right. I mean, I know there are a lot of people out there that were really upset that Joker didn't win, even though I thought it was like you know Taxi Driver two point oh, um, yep. and you know the, just it was it was really divisive online on social media. Um, but I mean, I, I just think, in, in when you when you talk about twists, when you talk about things that, um, in terms of, of storyline development, character development, and stuff like that, I, I just kept as I'm watching Parasite, my mouth is just, you know, my jaws on the floor with with just how good I thought that movie was was put together. But you're, I I agree with you. It's not a movie I'm going to sit down and watch again. Like it's not like right. I'm I'm bored. Hey, what do you guys want to do this afternoon? Do you want to watch Parasite? Like, <laughs> Let's not, put that bad boy on. No not, sound. Play some records. As opposed to like, if I'm on a three hour flight, you know, I I literally did this from L.A. back to uh, New York. I've got three and a half hours. I'm popping on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood every single oh. time. Oh yeah, it's not that's even a question. Bad. That's that's an easy easy pick. And what I also find interesting, and I don't think this is a slight on Parasite as as more of a compliment towards Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but like when rewatching those movies, I found myself noticing more things in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood than I did with Parasite. Like Parasite's very like this is what it is, here's what it is. You know, there's not not a lot of mysteries to uncover, so to speak. But with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there are little details that I'm like, oh, I missed that. Like I I didn't know that when. Brad Pitt's character comes back home to his trailer and walks in that Robert Goulet is singing MacArthur Park on, on TV. And like, yeah, I told my dad right away. I told my dad right away when I got home with that one. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, he's singing MacArthur Park. Like the, There's just little things like that that I found. So um, Ben, I wanted to ask you about that because yeah. you, you and I have talked about this movie you know, a lot, but do you feel that that, that movie and, and Quentin Tarantino as a whole – uh, this was kind of like the last chance, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. No, no doubt. I, like, and I, and I think as a filmmaker, he has been ignored for some reason. Mm. His whole career, like, like almost criminally, just overtly criminal. I don't know if that's a political thing, but I don't. I don't think it is because he does the pageantry thing. He does the whole red carpet interview thing. He's done that his whole career. He seems like a very nice person to work with on set. You know what I mean? His films might be racy, but he seems like he's a very, you know, he might be a little controlling, but he seems like he lets actors play inside their roles, and you know, mm-hmm. he's not like a, 
you know, a, a very, you know, Sam Peckinpah, even though I saw a picture of him dressed like Sam Peckinpah on set just to make an homage. He had like the bandana and the, and like the drug <laughs> poncho on. It was great. Um, but uh, you know what I mean? I just feel like like people that make movies with him have fun, like period. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Chris, what is that? Why do, why do you think he's been – do you agree with me that he's been ignored? I, I agree. And I think the problem is that with the Academy um, – You've got all these people that are not directors voting on best director. And therefore, I feel like that influences how these votes are made. And that's that's my issue. Is I, I, I wish that they would do these ballot, Oscar ballots in a way that, you know, only, only directors could vote for best director. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. this way, they could almost recognize the brilliance. And, and you're talking about a director that I think is the most consistently good director in all of Hollywood. Maybe it, it, of the past 50 years, the most consistently good. I mean, you look at oh, all of his movies, oh, yeah. it's like, find the bad one. <laughs> like, yeah, right. You it, know? It's an opinion call. It really is. It really you know is. I mean? And then there's, uh, there's movies in his catalog that have been totally ignored. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, n- not even like you know they've been nominated for best screenplay, but like no best director, no best picture. Like, which is a crime. Like, when we step away, like twenty years from now, you know what I mean? I don't know if we'll still be talking about film, if people will still be making movies, but um, you know, when we look at the hundred and fifty years of film, we're gonna be like, oh, that guy was a master of the art. Like, imagine twenty years from now they stop making movies. So it's like, all right, that was a run. That was 150 years worth of movies. Like now we've moved on to, you know, VR TV shows. Oh my God. I'm not watching the outsider in VR, by the way. Um, and <laughs> we've moved on to a different medium or something like that. Or a, a video game thing we can control with VR headsets or blah, 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 whatever. And so movies as we know it are done. And then there's that Hollywood museum. Got it. And so when you look back at the, the 150 years of film, there's only a couple people that consistently direct and have a style and like, uh, I don't know. I, I just, this year was, I, I think maybe that was more hard. I, I feel great for, um, for, you know, Bong Joon-ho and, and the movie and South Korea. And I loved all the pol- little political statements. It, there were some overt political statements inside the movie. I love that. Um, I love the clash of classes inside the movie. I love all of that. Um, that being said, I think, I kind of, you know, I'm a QT fanboy, so it was hard for me not to be just let down at the mm-hmm. end of the night. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, like you were saying, it, if uh, you know, if I won those Oscars, I probably would say I would. I wish I had a Texas chainsaw to split this into five to split it with <laughs> everyone. And the guy made a Texas chainsaw reference. <laughs> the fact that he said Texas chainsaw was amazing. It was so um, amazing. I was like, all right, this guy's cool. And he's a very cool dude. I mean, there's a great video of him, um, like going through a video store and just picking out like his favorite movies. And it's like he's picking like legitimately good movies. It's like, oh yeah, this guy, yeah. this guy knows what he's talking about. And uh, so yeah, no, I, I was I was personally really happy for the guy. Um, but yeah, I think the problem with with the, this academy is you have people in there that know what they're talking about and know how to vote on these awards, and then you have people that don't. And there was an article that was, I think it was in Variety or The Hollywood Reporter, where they talked to this anonymous Academy Award member and they mm. discussed their reasoning of why they voted for certain people and why they didn't. And it was so 
freaking catty and petty that it's like it, it's almost like it, I equate it to like the baseball writers for the Hall of Fame that like that writer that thought that Derek Jeter wasn't a Hall of Famer. Um, yeah, it's it's that dumb. And like you know, for instance, this voter said. Um, they didn't vote for Adam Sandler for uncut gems because he made a lot of bad movies. And, you know, this is like the one good movie he's made. And therefore they, and that was the reason why they didn't, they didn't vote for him. So that infuriates me. And, yeah, and then there's the other thing. There's the other conspiracy theory. I don't know if uh, Bobby said this on the air, but it was about how he, uh, Sandler was on Stern and he said that uh, if he doesn't get nominated, he's going to make the worst movie of all time. <laughs> And so the the theory behind the scenes is the academy doesn't like it when you you poke fun at them. No, they or, don't. You know, yeah. And so it's yeah. It, who who cares? You know who what cares? I mean? It, yeah. I I think they also have a problem with Mavericks in the industry and Rebels. Uh, I think you have yeah. to play a certain type of game, and you know, which is why the only reason that someone can explain to me that why it took so long for Martin Scorsese to win an Academy Award for Best Director for The Departed finally after his entire career and. Um, and he was kind of known as being that, that outlier for a long time in the, in the seventies and eighties. So, um, yeah, who knows, who knows, but it, it, there were, there, I agreed with a lot of the, the acting awards. I was happy that I was thrilled that Brad Pitt won, uh, for best supporting actor. Um, I, I, I won't lie. I, I, I do think Joaquin Phoenix deserved accolades for this. However, I, I just feel that like that was the greatest Leonardo DiCaprio performance we're gonna get. Like that, I agree. He I, he got so overlooked this award season. It's it, going back. I just watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood like literally two days ago because <laughs> um, I was bored at uh, sitting in a lobby, and I I, re- I watched that scene where he's freaking out in his trailer about his lines and screwing up that scene where he's filming. I quote that scene like every day now. <laughs> He's he's perfect. He's literally perfect in this movie. So yeah, I mean, he, you know, I was, I was a little upset that I don't understand the whole thing about Renee Zellweger, Welger, Zellweger, and Judy. I'll never understand how. I just don't. You know, and I might be a little harsh. I'm just not a fan. I'm just gonna put that out there. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan. I haven't. I've never been a fan. I don't get it. I don't get her. Don't understand it. I, I and, like, and then and then you got Joaquin, right? And like. Much respect to the, his performance, and he's got his ways to talk. And then she gets nominated, and like I think she felt like she had to do something political too. It, it made no sense. Bobby and I are sitting there. I'm like, she's like, and she's like, Judy was a hero and empowered people. I'm like, Judy died at like 42 of alcoholism. Like, if you yeah. want to say like, you know, she's a she's a story that we need. She's a warning story for fame and you know like abuse. And her parents would like feed her booze when she was like four it was a terrible stories mm. but like it didn't make any sense she was like she's a she's a hero to many and i'm like like and then she's she went into this whole spiel of uh, trans and women and well and it didn't make any sense and i was no. like cool renee get out of here like yeah. I, don't know, I just <laughs> i just feel like there was better performances this year from women too you know what's funny it was like i i watched that speech and i actually saw judy and it's it's an it's a average film. It's an average film. She sings. This is again, my, my hatred of the Academy. They like go nuts when someone can actually sing in a movie and they, they've done this. I mean, she, the last time she won an Oscar was for Chicago, I think, or right. cold mountain, or it was Catherine Zeta Jones who won for Chicago. Yep. Um, they go, they go nuts for this shit. And 
it was it was okay. And I, I just it was funny watching her speech. I'm like, wow, she simultaneously like by winning the Oscar, like helped her career and, and killed her career in one speech. <laughs> like, because like, who's, who's going to want to work with that? Like, yeah. I was like, who is this woman? I, like, Bobby and I were sitting there. I was like, well, who's this? I don't know. It, it, it was, it was a, and then on top of everything, we haven't even talked about the actual award show and just how there was so many awkward, weird moments to talk about, you know, just the whole Eminem thing was weird. Yeah. A lot of the musical performances were just questionable, and there's so many musical, 17 musical performances or something. I was like, it was insanity, and like, yeah. And then the the first the first musical performance, the thing I want to talk about, which was very nice, uh, very good, kind of hokey, but whatever. Then they had like a bunch of you know uh, dancing actors dressed up from films that weren't even recognized. <laughs> they had a bunch of uses from the movie Us. They had. Uh, freaking Midsummer Flower Girls. They had like um, Dolomites, and they had all these. And I'm like, you guys didn't even recognize these movies. Are they? Are you poking fun at these movies? Or right. because those movies, the people in the background. I'm gonna talk about those movies more than the movies that are nominated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yeah, it, it just the Oscars is. <sighs> It's one of those award shows where it's like it's the it's like the granddaddy of them all. So it's like the biggest one. Right. And yet it's always the least entertaining. <laughs> I don't know what it is about the Oscars, but like I think they overthink it and therefore they don't take chances. They don't like just do like good stuff. I mean, that's why like I love watching the Emmys, I love watching the Tonys and the Grammys and all these other award shows because they just they just do it, they do it well. But the Oscars, like if it feels like they just make all the wrong choices because they're so they're they're tiptoeing around everything. Like even Chris Rock and Steve Martin's comedic little monologue there was like, yeah, it was okay. It was like, it just felt very safe. And it's yeah, like very it's like safe. Chris Rock when is like, oh, Jeff Bezos is here. I mean, he's he's rich. He got divorced and he's still the richest man in the world. Like, is that a joke? Like, okay. Like, I felt like there was something that Chris Rock really wanted to say there, and they therefore did not and, and did it because someone told him not to. But I don't yeah. know. It just it's it just feels like a very safe award show which is probably why the ratings are down every single year yeah yeah and and, you know and i was talking to a bunch of people that you know didn't see a lot of the nominated movies but saw a lot of movies this year you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like saw like endgame and us and midsummer and all these other movies and then they're like wait those movies didn't win those the fucking endgame was great (laughs) I'm like, no, it's weird, huh? And they're like, yeah, it's stupid. Who cares? <laughs> but it's like true. It's like, uh, you know, people want to see the movies that make that they saw. They want to, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. It's very confusing yeah. to me and they need to revamp it. Just, and, you know, a movie that I think was criminally overlooked was The Lighthouse with, with our man Willem Dafoe. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it just even for, I don't know cinematography, set design. Yeah, I could nominate that movie for writing, writing, that, that, definitely writing. writing of that movie. That that script is out of control, and then the acting to memorize that thing. You know how much a pain in the ass that was. Those those monologues are huge, <laughs> right. and they're all one shot. They're filming it on an actual craggy rock island off the coast of Maine. What else do you want? I, I don't know, Chris. It was, I don't know. And again, I, I, we talked about this on my po- last podcast, but man, after that movie, I'm like, you know what, Robert Pattinson. Do whatever you want. I'm on board. Like, forget yep. that whole Twilight stuff. I'm beyond. I'm I'm past that. So I've I've we've all moved on. We've all moved on, and <laughs> and he's doing great. I can't wait to see that Batman movie. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so we'll see. I mean, I, you know, 
we'll see what happens this year. I, I will I will forever say that Lupita Nyong'o should have gotten the Best Actress Oscar for, for us. She should have at least gotten a nomination because um, right. she's insane in that movie. Yep. But, yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I know. We'll and the, yeah, and no screenwriting for that movie either. Like That's a great, brilliant concept, great execution. I, I, I felt like, you know, when they revealed the person living – you know, downstairs in uh, Parasite, I was like, oh, there's a guy. When they revealed the downstairs in Us, <laughs> I was like, I didn't blink for 20 minutes. I'm like, <laughs> what? what is this movie doing? Where are we going? Whoa, giant elevator, escalator, what? Like, my head was exploding. So when you talk about twists in Parasite, I, that movie had many more twists, and it's awesome the second time around when you watch it again. It's yeah. I, I don't know, dude. I I just so, think they missed the mark. This, this year. isn't not to change the subject, but th- not this is not my my YouTube in for the week. But um, if you go on YouTube, you can there. So apparently, Universal Studios this past Halloween did the Us Haunted House. Oh no! So you literally are walking. You start in the house, and then you go through this other room, and then you're downstairs in that like oh, the thing. rabbit, the rabbit, yeah, bunker or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, like so, it's it's a great video to watch if you get a chance to watch uh, that that haunted house because it was it was that freaking good and, and that freaking scary. So, um, yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. So we'll see what happens this year. Um, actually, this is actually a good segue into Thanks. my first story of the week. Which, by the way, my, I, I brought three stories to the table. One of them was the Oscars, so right. technically this yeah. is my number two. But yeah, um, speaking about the number the the next year's. Next year film, so to speak. Ben, we got a big... Are you going to read my mind right now? Are you going to read my mind? We got a big trailer that came yes. out yes. Um, this past week. And I'm just going to say it. It's called The French Dispatch by Wes Anderson. Is that what you were thinking? You read my mind. We Dude. actually, I actually covered the article. I think it was around September on the podcast announcing that they were working on this movie. Yes. <laughs> ben... Can can we nominate a trailer for Best Picture? Is that possible? <laughs> like, if it is, the, uh, can we nominate a winner? I mean, I'm all in. I'm all like, and I was like, I think I put on like, I think you posted the trailer or Lynette did, and I was like, can I just, can I have a favorite movie just from the trailer, like a favorite absolutely. movie of all time? I mean, this has everything. It has Wes Anderson. Like, listen, I love that. I love Wes Anderson and I love that he went off and did some cartoony movies. Very cool. But he's back, baby. He's back with some live action and mm-hmm. all the all the all the greats. The band is back together and I just cannot wait, dude. And and it just it, it looks like the most Wes Anderson type of movie ever. I mean, just the way that from its setting to the design to the way that you can you can see how the, the writing and the camera's moving. Um it just looks amazing. And and again, like he's one of those directors. He's on a short list. It's him, for me, Tarantino and Nolan, where their movies are events. You yep. like I'm all in. You don't even have to tell me anything about the plot. I'm I'm just I'm there. And it looks fantastic. And I have argued for years that his stuff gets ignored um unfairly. And I think a lot of that has to do with the timing that his movies come out, like a lot of them come out between March and July, which yep. tend to t- tend to get forgotten by the Academy by the time that those awards. And it's like, it kills me because it's like, no, just, just release it in Thanksgiving. And yep. then you'll, you'll sweep these award shows. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, so but again, so this movie's coming out in July. So thankfully, it's coming out later in the year. Coming out a little later should be pretty good. But um, yeah, no, I I, I love Wes Anderson. He, he's got he seems to cast these movies perfectly, and he knows the strengths of all these actors. Like, and you've got Owen Wilson doing his thing. Bill Murray's in it. Now you're adding like Timothy Chalamet into it. Um, <laughs> it, it it's insane. It's, I like it, I like how it looks like there's a little violence in there, which <laughs> I love. Like Grand Budapest Hotel, like you're talking about a fascist re- regime, like like you know like Russian or Nazi regime, which is mm-hmm. like a very heady topic. But the gunfights are like almost like a game of tag and hide and seek. <laughs> like they're yep. just blindly shooting in every direction. It just looks. I <laughs> there's something so insane about it. It's like Steve Sizu when people are getting shot and they're like, you're shot. And it's just like, they, oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> it's just like so ridiculous. I just love it. I just you can just see this. And like you're, you're right. This movie looks like the most Wes Anderson movie of all time. And he and he doesn't give a shit. He's nope. unapologetic. It's not like he saw that YouTube video of the person saying, oh, this is what you need to make a Wes Anderson movie. He's like, screw it. I know. I know what I like. I'm going to keep making it. And I just love like the the really crazy force perspective, cartoony tracking shots. And oh, my God, it's so beautiful. The symmetrical sets. Oh, mm-hmm. it's so good. I mean, again, we talk about filmmakers whose movies that you can literally rewatch a hundred times and never get sick of. And um, it feels, though, I don't know, like when you when you watch all of his movies in a row, which is a blessing, um, mm-hmm. it feels like when he gets to Moonrise Kingdom – it's almost like he dials it up to 11 in terms of uh, of like, holy shit. Like now, before these movies I thought were hilarious and very well put together, but now you're getting into like, this is best, this is like consistent best picture quality stuff. You yeah. know, from Moonrise Kingdom to Grand Budapest Hotel, even Isle of Dogs I thought was like a remarkably good film. Right, um, right. It's like, yeah, no, he's, he's, he's turning it up. And, yeah, and I, I love how you can see someone like the beginning of his career, like Tarantino, Reservoir Dogs, or True Romance. You can see flashes of brilliance, and then you watch something like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and you're like, okay, I saw those pieces 20-something years ago. Here they are on screen, or, or 30 years ago. And just like him, you know, you could see in Bottle Rocket, you can see great cast, mm-hmm. that witty, flashy dialogue, the camera work is almost there. You know, it's a low budget film, but then like, you know, the heist itself uh, in Bottle Rocket is so great. <laughs> I love the Indian guy and he's he's just all confused and he doesn't know how to crack the safe. I love that movie. Um, and But you saw those flashes just like when violence starts happening and, and guns start firing, people just become idiots. You know what I mean? And I just love that theme's keeps going in all his movies i love it love it love it it's great and, and the fact that this summer in almost like consecutive weekends we're getting a christopher nolan film and a wes anderson film you the read perfect, my mind yeah tenet and and uh the french correspondent it's the perfect oh it's the perfect storm it, it really is and uh it makes I went, uh, podcasting easy <laughs> it really does it really does so uh last weekend my wife and i we went to go see 1917 finally and um before the movie, they had they showed the tenant trailer, and I oh. said to I, I said to my wife, I said, I don't know why they're releasing trailers to this movie. Like, don't you you re- release one and then it's that type of movie where it's like you don't have to show me anything. You don't have to show anybody anything. Just show me like that stuff and that's it. Um, and 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 people are going to this movie. Like, it's just I'm it's, all in. I'm so all in. It's out of control. Did you I mean, hear the rumor? Did you hear the rumor? That uh, 
I heard a rumor, and I don't know where I heard this, the internets or in real life or in RL, mm-hmm. whatever, um, that Tenant may be a movie that can be played in reverse. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Something like that, or you can watch the scenes in reverse. I heard some shit, and I was like, what are you telling me right now? And they're like, yep. And I'm like, so just like Memento, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's playing with time. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> I, heard, I hope I'm not building you up too much, but it looks like something like that is happening in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine, like, if you get, like, once that, like, the, the digital or DVD to copy comes out, and you can actually watch it both ways if you wanted to, um, that would be insane. Epic. Well, and then, <laughs> then you'd have subtitles. Like the Laura Palmer sequences in Twin Peaks where they're speaking in reverse in the dreams. Oh, Jesus. That'd be great, huh? <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, what a time to be alive. What a time yes. to be alive. I know. And, and <laughs> you know, and I think it was Bill Simmons. I was listening to one of the pods and uh, he was saying, you know, for a couple of years, it was pretty shaky, like some shitty movies out there. But, you know, last year, great movie year. You know what I mean? We're bitching mm-hmm. about the Oscars, but there's some great movies that came out last year, and it looks like 2020 is not going to disappoint either. Nope. Definitely not. Definitely not. All right, man. What do you got for your number two or three? I know we were going to uh, no, no. just We'll around. just hop around. We got yeah. we got a couple uh, couple sports things for you. Oh, let me, okay. let me crack off a couple sports things, and then uh, – yeah, <laughs> let me do a couple sports things for you. All so right. um, sh- I don't know if I, sh- I told you. Uh, showed uh, – Showed Deacon Monday Night Raw for the first time a couple weeks ago. Nice. Yeah. And uh, I was watching. There was a couple uh, great fights. There's a couple tag team matches. We get through a couple fights, and he gets kind of bored, and then I turn it off. Um, but, um, you know, judge me as a parent, whatever. But I know Chris won't, but I know some people out there will. But, you know, what What was proud for me is, you know, there's the wrestling part, the little violent part, whatever, and Deacon's like, whatever. But totally enthralled with the theater of it all Mm. just just the people screaming and yelling you know what i mean and like calling each other idiots or something the whole crowd you know what i mean and it's just (laughs) it's it's great there's uh kelly lynch the man uh was amazing she was fighting asuka this i think she's japanese wrestler with oscar oscar Oscar, that's her name yeah yeah and And, and, uh becky lynch becky lynch yeah becky lynch the man yeah uh, great, great fight. And uh, Deacon, you know, and you know, the women, they're doing flips around each other. It's awesome. Great fight. Um, he gets pinned. And then, um, a wrestler came out, uh, Shea Brasler, uh, came out and bit Becky Lynch on the back of the neck. Cause she's a vampire or something. And blood was everywhere. <laughs> kind of freaked me out. Kind of, not going to joke. Kind of freaked Deacon out. <laughs> I couldn't, I was like, Oh shit. What did I do as a parent? And then like, but then his question was like, what happened? I go, I think she's a vampire. And, and this kid, love this kid. He goes, does that mean uh, Becky Lynch is a vampire now? It's a great question. He just knows. He knows the transition of, of how that happens. It was amazing. For him. That, yeah. It wasn't like, I'm scared. It was like, so is she going to be a bad guy now? Cause is she going to turn into a vampire? I go, that's a hell. We got to tune in next week. <laughs> Good for him. So, Good you know, Vince McMahon, just keep pumping out the hits because introducing <laughs> vampire stories, I'm like, I'm all in. This is great. I haven't watched Monday Night Raw since, like, maybe college or something like that. And, man, they're just they're just rocking it out there. And then you got Ric Flair's daughter out there. Yep. It, it's just great. 
just great stuff. Well, as you know, I'm a huge I'm a huge wrestling fan. Um, I I was lucky enough to go to WrestleMania last year. I'm going back to WrestleMania this year. Got my tickets and everything. So me and my wow. buds are flying down to Tampa, Florida. Uh, so we're gonna be we're actually because my job, thankfully, I get a lot of uh, hotel points and airline points. So I'm just gonna use miles and points and for all the travel stuff. And then also all I'm paying for is just the ticket. So it's like. I told my wife, I was like, can I do this every year? She's like, well, as long as you take your son at some point and make it a father-son thing. Right. Um, yeah. So, uh, and who knows, maybe down the road, I'll bring you and Deacon. You know, Ooh, why not? That's what I was saying. You know, I, so oh, that was my question in all this, Chris. Uh, so am I starting right with just doing a couple, like we do like about 20 minutes of Monday Night Raw each week. Is, yeah. is Raw the place to go? Is that, is that where I, Raw, yeah, I think WWE right now is a good product for, for the entire family. Um, yeah. they're, they've definitely gone away from the, the attitude era where it was very risque, very sexual and violent and stuff like that. And they're not AEW or a lot of these other, uh, companies that are doing over the top violent moves, so to speak. So right. it's still, I think for a six year old, seven year old kid, uh, it's, it's a safe, safe thing I, to watch. I do I think, think that, so. Yeah, I, I think, think so. Just a lot of headlocks, a lot of ring yeah. work. You know what I mean? It was a rope work. It was fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I might advise maybe watching the 20 minutes before you show it <laughs> just to make so sure. So someone doesn't get bloody black just in the back Screen the, neck. the 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. That was um, kind of shocker. I was like, holy shit, what's going on? But I mean, the first thing that got me really into wrestling, I mean, if I if I really think about it, is there was this back in the day, uh, the, the Undertaker uh, had this conversa- confrontation with this wrestler called the Ultimate Warrior. Yes. And the Undertaker locked him in a casket, and the Undertaker couldn't breathe. So they had to like get these crowbars and pry open this casket. And then they started doing CPR on him. And I'm watching this as like probably like an eight, nine year old kid, and I'm like, oh my god, what is happening? Like just like Deacon was with the vampire thing. Um, and that's what got me into wrestling. So I'm telling you, there He's it is. I, you know, and you know, but you know what? There was no uh, see with the Undertaker. Very scary man. Still a very scary looking man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know who was there to take the edge off? Paul Bearer. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Undertaker. Miss that guy. Oh, miss him. Rest in peace to the R.I.P. Paul, Paul Bearer. But I'll never forget it. One of my the, the very first wrestling event I ever went to was at the New Haven Coliseum. It's like 1989, 1990, right before the Survivor Series. So it's like October, November. And... It was the Undertaker uh, versus Hulk Hogan at the New Haven Coliseum. Oh and, man, I remember that. And the Undertaker won. He actually yep. won and actually won the WWF Championship at the time from Hulk Hogan. And then Hulk Hogan took it back at the Survivor Series like two weeks later. But um, I, I just was it was insane. It was and to and so from that point on, I was I was I was hooked. So that's awesome. I'm so glad he's into it. I'm yeah. I'm I'm the same way. I'm slowly trying to get my son. Uh, into it as well safely uh, <laughs> so well, i think i maybe I, I mentioned this but there's a great andre the giant comic book out there yeah it's called like and it's it, and the cover if you, you can get it on amazon for 10 bucks and it's the cover is andre holding up the world or something like that larger than life or something like that um and deacon and i started reading that and then i showed him a couple old school matches with andre and that was a great intro you know what i mean because you kind of yeah, know I... what's going to happen in those old school ones but uh, I agree with the wrestling in WWE now. It's definitely just a lot of like you know holds, a lot of arm bars, like old school, you know, jumping off the top rope and great stuff. I, exactly. I don't know, I, just great products. I, I, 
good stuff. Hats off. Hats off maybe to the WWE. Yeah, maybe it's in maybe it's in our blood because we're from Connecticut. Uh, exactly. Yeah, maybe it's They're just there. Right, right down the street in Stanford. So. Yeah. Um, exactly. There you go. Awesome, man. Good stuff. All right. So for my third story this week, um, Ben, are you are you big into like Ken Burns documentaries? Oh, of course. Of course. Okay. Have you seen his the latest one he did on country music? No. It's fantastic. I, really? Country fantastic. Music. Country. So he did, it's like an eight-part documentary on the history of country music. And so it's like uh, he did jazz. He, yep. He did jazz. Um I mean, his baseball documentary is perfect, of course. Um, you know, but yeah, so he really goes, he starts way back in like the 1800s with country music and then he brings it all the way forward to almost pretty much almost present day. And for a lot of it, the biggest chunk of, of the, the, the documentary talks about guys like Johnny Cash and Dolly Parton and all these big, you know, um, Tammy Wynette and Loretta Lynn and all these amazing artists. And I'll, I got to be honest with you. I am not a country music guy. Never have been. It's not, it's not a music that I, I find myself getting into. However, watching that documentary, uh, it gave me a whole new appreciation for the music uh, in terms of the story, the songwriting, right. the, the the culture, <clears throat> um, and, and some of the, <clears throat> um, the 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 mavericks and rebels that existed within the, within the industry, which you know is 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 you know Johnny Cash being one of them. Um, yeah. So and wasn't uh wasn't uh is it Merle Haggard wasn't he in the yeah. audience when Johnny Cash played at yes. Folsom Prison? <laughs> yep, that's a great story. And they, they actually they, they they talk to Merle Haggard uh, and cover him a lot and about how like for for a lot of his early part of his career like they the, all the people said no you can't talk about how you were in prison, and then finally like later on they're like no no you you know he was like no I'm going to talk about it and it, it yeah. changed his entire career so um yeah it, it just it gave me a whole new appreciation for the music i don't think i'm going to be listening to it like habitually going forward like i'm not it, it, it didn't turn me into a fan but it definitely gave me gave me an understanding of the history uh and knowledge of it which i i really appreciate it ben i just wanted your take on you know country music as a whole or ken burn documentaries the whole nine yards right uh well you know no, I wouldn't consider myself a country person. I'm an outlaw country person when you think of like the highwaymen, you know, like, okay. yeah. you know, Johnny and, uh, you know, Waylon and all those guys. And, uh, I like, I like that stuff when you get into that kind of era, because it's, it's a little country rock ish. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's all about, and it's all about the, the words and stuff. I, I know all the words to the album Folsom prison. You know what I mean? I know every single word and even the little speeches in between the songs. It's, it's, it's a great album. Uh, there's a couple songs out there, Chris, you might want to get into if you, and they're ultra country, there's a man called David Allen Coe. Uh, and he's just ridiculous country looking dude with long hair and the whole, the whole thing. Um, I believe the song is, uh, if that ain't country, I'll kiss your ass. <laughs> it's one of my favorite songs. You put that on in a, in a, jukebox somewhere and uh, see what happens to the crowd i'll send you the link to that one you'll be like what the hell is going on but uh no chris i you know i think i'm gonna have a little more country in my life coming up because i'm in a relationship relationships are about compromise yep and uh my uh, girlfriend is a big country music person so. really okay yep and there's some big names coming around the lakeview amphitheater so you know hush hush but i think we're gonna be going to a bunch this summer <laughs> nice Nice. 
Well, then you'll have to report back to the podcast about like the, the culture, the scene, the, you know, everything. Yeah, well, it's it's a little bigger up here than Connecticut. Um, you know, there's a couple places like the Cadillac Ranch in Connecticut and stuff like that. I don't know if that place exists anymore, but up here you get a lot more country. We're kind of out in the sticks a little more. Um, uh, so a little more country fans, but you know, all in all, you know, rap music is everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, man. I yeah. hear you. Alrighty. Well, was that, was that everything you had this week? Uh, just a couple more things. Please, uh, go ahead. Yeah, what uh, what do you what are your thoughts on Kevin Pillar joining the Sox? Yeah, I'm fine with it. Okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I like him. I like him. I mean, as a fantasy player, he's a good guy. Yeah. He's a good fit. I, I I like us to have a manager. Like you know, yep. like that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> do we have to have one of those? <laughs> I mean, it's a question. I mean, we knows? need to have a pitcher and a shortstop. Do we have to have a manager? I don't know. All I'm, the biggest thing I'm looking forward to this baseball season is how many times Houston Astro players get thrown behind their heads. Like that's yeah, they're going to get really hit. Gonna happen. So uh, many Bobby times. said there's an over under in Vegas. Is that... <laughs> oh, there's like an over under. Like every bet. player is saying like, and then like. I think it was Josh Reddick came out today and said, like, you know what? You guys can kiss my ass. You know, if yeah. you don't like if you don't like it, come beat us. And it's like, yeah, exactly. Come beat us fair and square. And then uh, uh, I think LeBron James came out today. This was the other thing. Uh, said, I'd be fucking irate. That's what LeBron – that's a quote from LeBron. <laughs> Just about, you know, sports. He's like, I'm, I'm a sports player of a different sport, but I'm a sports fan in general, and I would be fucking irate. That was the quote. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then finally, <laughs> finally, Chris, just really quick. These are little quick stories. Um, Nick, there was an article. There's an article three hours ago, Chris. And I don't know if it was our reporting of this movie, but Nicolas Cage was interviewed about playing himself in the unbearable weight of massive talent. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. And so here's the quote. You ready for the quote? I'm going to give my yeah. best to Cage, okay? Please. It's a stylized version of me. And the fact I even have to refer to myself in the third person makes me extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> there are many scenes in the movie where the modern or contemporary, oh, here we go, Nicolas Cage, and then there's the young Nicolas Cage are colliding and arguing and battling it out. It's an acrobatic approach to acting. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> was that good? <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I just can't wait. Oh, I love it. They go through uh, the whole plot and everything. Just, just like we reported. That I, I still think, no matter how much people report on that plot, I still think people are not going to believe that it's going to be a movie. I can't. I can't wait. I mean, is that coming out? That I don't think it's coming out in 2020. I think it's 2021. I, so. Yeah, we're going to wait for that one. So Oscar season next. Yeah, year. sadly, it's not going to not going to qualify for this. I think year's. they're going to get QT to be in it. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I mean, he's not. I don't think he's doing anything right now. So no, he's yeah. taking a little break. I mean, just get you know a little cameo, or they can get you know what they could do. They can get Norm Macdonald to play Quentin Tarantino like in that sketch. I just watched uh, rewatched Dirty Work by the way uh, <laughs> recently. <laughs> Still awesome. Again, great movie. Great. Movie. It is a great movie. I. <laughs> I rewatched Harold and Kumar for like the 80 zillionth time over the weekend too. <laughs> That's another one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, dude, let's go YouTube it. Let's do it. Let's, 
do it, bro. What do you got? What do you got? All right, I got just two two quick things. Um, first one is it's like it's actually it's not on any particular channel. It's just a, it's a thing that happened. Um, so uh, the new James Bond movie is coming out this spring. Um, it's the last one with Daniel Craig, thankfully, and um, it's called No Time to Die. Yep. And the theme song was released last week. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's being it's it's sung by um, Billie Eilish um and who's like the hot thing right now and um it's it's okay it's an okay song it's it's once again we're getting a very slow moody ballad which i i kind of don't like for bond films you know once in a while it's great but i'd rather have like a sweeping epic type of song or something like really up you know uppity like the one that chris cornell did when i thought I thought it was fantastic. I've heard people shit on that. And really? Yeah, I know. And I love that. It's got the horns and everything. His voice oh, is going. Great. I, I know. I love that. I think I think the one that Jack White and Alicia Keys did is an acquired taste, but yes. Yes. also that's a terrible movie. So it's, it's yeah, okay. that movie's an acquired taste. <laughs> the movie's acquired. Uh, I, I like the one that, Adele, I mean, but so it, what happens is we've got the one from Adele with Skyfall. Then we have the Sam Amazing. Smith ballad for um, Spectre, which was a you know, boring song, boring movie. And now another slow ballad. So yeah, it's it's okay. It's not great. Um, I I just wish there was a you know better song. But this is what I've kind of kind of kind of come to expect from the Daniel Craig era of James Bond films is that you're going to get something a little more moody and uh, brooding, if you will. So definitely check that out if you're a Bond fan. And then the other one I had just a really quick uh, video um, screen rant. I'm sorry, not screen rant. Um, oh my gosh, video I'm mojo. Not- no, Mojo. not Video Mojo. Uh, they do the Honest Trailers. Um, oh, yeah. Those guys. I yeah. can't remember. I'm drawing a blank. They did a great video where uh, they they hired a lawyer, an actual lawyer, and had him come in and analyze courtroom scenes uh, for accuracy. And it's fantastic. It's like a 50-minute like video. Um, and he's just – they're basically like, I can't believe we paid a lawyer to come in and analyze you know, courtroom scenes and and, and – prison interrogation scenes and stuff like that. But it's a great video to watch because if, if you want to find out who really is um, doing a great job, they look at like, you know, a few good men. They look at um, this, this movie called Find Me Guilty with Vin Diesel, which is actually a really good movie. Um, so yeah, definitely check that out if you can. Excellent. Excellent picks. Uh, this week I got, a, I got a couple. I got a bunch actually because we haven't been on air for a while. So uh, Mr. Bungle is touring. So there's a great video, uh, 2520, the Fonda Theater, Los Angeles, the full concerts on YouTube. Um, then um, there's this uh, record store, very famous record store in San Francisco called Amoeba. And they have this series called What's in My Bag. And they interview Huey Lewis. And he talks about his favorite records that he finds inside the store. Uh, and so it's a great video series. Um, but the, the video I wanted to talk about, Chris, is uh, Bobby and I stumbled upon this. And I'm watching it right now as we're podcasting. Got it down in the basement uh, on silent. It's, a, it's the World Series of Indoor Bowls Championship. World Series of Indoor Bowls? Bowls. B O. W L S bowls. <laughs> All right. Let me describe this to you, please. Yes. So you got, you got to get on this. This is epic. They live stream it. It's three hour events. So picture bocce. Okay. Okay. It's a little right. like bocce, but you're in an indoor court and it looks like it's like a, on a padded ground and you got about, it looks about 
a hundred yards, they're throwing these things down and they roll and they curl. So it's almost like curling, but there's no sweeping or anything like that. So it's a, a lot like shuffleboard and it's so crazy and intense. You got to check it out. There's so much indoor bowls championship action on YouTube. My God, it's oh, my I'm seeing this right now. Oh, wow. It's great, dude. Ooh, look at these guys. <laughs> yeah, the, the the participants. Bobby was like, dude, we got to go over and, to England and go check this out. I was like, we would be the youngest people in the crowd by like 50 years. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, my God. Look at this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like yeah. how he's curving, curving these balls. Um this is ridiculous. I, I can't it. stop watching it. It's an addiction. I like. I love YouTube. This is my new thing. I, I freaking, love it so freaking much. Freaking British people. And oh my god, they've got two two hours and twenty minutes of, of like. The, so the entire World Indoor Bowl Championship is is on. Oh yeah. YouTube. Thank you. This is great. Yeah. Oh yeah. You put this right on. <laughs> Especially you're sitting in a lobby. I could watch this for days, dude. Oh my god. I I, I wish I could bet on it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can. I don't know. Oh, over there, they love betting. They love betting everything. Oh, my God. So I'm watching it right now, but I just love how the ball curls. And then, so Bobby found out about this because it was on actually on the ESPN top 10, Sports Center top 10. Oh, amazing. And so, like, this guy hit this crazy shot and it just nicked in. And so you'll see some, like, you know, I love curling and stuff like that, but there's something about this that's a little better. When they throw the ball, they have this little uh, after, this after, this follow through that's so unnecessary. They throw it and they take these one little steps. They look like, uh, speaking of wrestling, look like a double J Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> they do the little walk, <laughs> the little saunter. And I'm like, what the hell is that for? It's, dude, it's so great. I'm addicted. World Series, World Indoor Bowls Championship. Just check it out. I, I love like obscure sports. I'm like every now and then like ESPN does like the ESPN, the Ocho. Um, they do <laughs> like there's oh, the stair thing. What was the sli- stair slippery thing? stairs? Um, <clears throat> there's the cherry pit spitting contest. Um, yeah. yeah. My favorite though is the headbutt ping pong. Have you ever seen this? Head. Yes, I did see that. <laughs> so it's, it's, Imagine ping pong with a big soccer ball looking thing and guys are just headbutting it back and forth. It's, onto the table, onto the ping pong on, table. On the actual on an actual ping pong table. It's it's yeah, it's that was wild. And yet you're like you're enthralled. You're like, oh my yeah. gosh. Like wait till you see how close these guys can get this thing. It's so super intense. You're talking about like two inches, like or an inch or half an inch. These these guys just sl- slide it right in. It's great. Oh my gosh. Can't amazing. Amazing. Well, Ben. Good stuff, man. Anything you want to plug before we sign off? World Series of Bowls. Uh, no. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> um, in a couple weeks, we will be reporting back. Uh, Bobby and I are going to see Kamasi, Washington in oh, Ithaca. Kamasi, Washington. Um, we got our Street Fighter t-shirts because <laughs> he has a song called Street Fighter Moss, uh, which is a great video. Chris, did you check that video out? I think I, I sent it to you. I have not yet. No, I got to oh, check that out. Yeah. It's it's only like eight minutes, but it's out of control. And I'm excited because so Kamasi, he tours sometimes with a orchestral section. So, you know, like a string section and then sometimes or no, um, a, a choir section, uh, sometimes with a string section or sometimes just the jazz band. Mm. Um, so you don't know what you're going to get. Because on his album, The Epic, um, and a lot of his other albums, you'll have like a choir singing, you'll have strings going, and a full jazz band. And then there's one concert on uh, 
on YouTube. It's the NPR concert, and it's the full album. And you're just like, this guy is one of these musicians that channels something. And I know jazz isn't everyone's cup of tea, but he goes absolutely apeshit on. He plays baritone sax, and he just goes nuts. And there's most of the songs are about 12, 14 minutes long. But if you want to see like premium musicianship, just check it out. And I can't wait. I don't think he comes out to the East Coast a lot. So I'm so excited. This is like a once in a lifetime thing. We're going to try to get pictures and meet him and the whole thing. So awesome. Can't wait to hear about that, man. Good yeah, stuff. Uh, well, folks, you can listen to this podcast and all of our podcasts on the Onstage Blog Podcast Network at onstageblog.com, uh, where we've got a couple of different podcasts that are firing at all cylinders. So, Really good time to start listening to those. Um, we're going to be releasing some new podcasts coming up uh, in the season, so keep on the lookout for that. Uh, but Ben, man, thanks so much. Thanks, dude. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to you next week right here on Desperately Seeking Entertainment.